You're listening to The After Session with Philip Lewis. I'm a therapist based in Washington, D.C., and I hope to provide my perspective on work done throughout the therapeutic process. Some of what you'll hear will be interviews with other mental health professionals or former and current clients. In this case, these interviews are voluntary, not conditional to the status of a person presently in therapy, and those interviews are not considered a therapeutic session or a recommendation for forms of treatment. If you are interested in starting your therapeutic process or engaging in a protocol or technique referenced, please make sure you contact your mental health or medical provider. Thanks for listening. Today, I have the incomparable, brilliant, and beautiful Miss Natasha Campbell. She is a clinician who has been practicing for over 17 years, <clears throat> holding space for individuals who grow through, excuse me, to grow through life changes, facing their traumas, rebuilding families, and improving their overall emotional wellness. She's previously worked in aiding youth to navigate their journeys to adulthood and aging out of the foster care system. She's a professor at Smith College and at Elms College. And additionally, she's the founder of the Multicultural Services, excuse me, Clinical Services in Amherst, Massachusetts. David is also brilliant, but unfortunately he's not so beautiful. <laughs> he is my brother, my father, my uncle, my son, um, someone that I have learned so much from in such a brief time. And I'm honored that they've both been able to come here. David hails from Portland, Oregon, where he's the co-owner of a private practice called Connections First. In addition, he trains other brilliant minds from all over the U.S. through his institute called Connection Informed Care. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Both of you. Thank you for saying I'm brilliant. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. I really, really do appreciate it. I thought that today's topic would be really important because of your background, Natasha, mm -hmm. with um, multicultural teaching, um, challenging systemic forms of just all the isms, mm -hmm. and um, taking the historical context of Black America of those who are from other places but come to America and have to either integrate or identify as a black person or African-American, mm -hmm. all of these things. And then on top of that, being a woman. Mm. David, and I'll just let everyone know listening, is white. <laughs> you can too. We'll just go ahead and clear, clear that up. And I thought, um, we, we all met here in DC and I knew there was a reason that it just happened to coincide that he was in town. And I really, really, really want to get a white perspective on, on this topic that came up with one of my, my the patients that I was working with. And David is one of the most authentic, raw and open and trusting white people I've met. <laughs> and oh. if you know me in personal, my personal life, that's, that's a lot for me to say. Yeah. So I, come, I brought him into this space because I think it will be safe. I think it would be objective. And I think even though it might be uncomfortable, he will honestly say what some of the perspectives are, what we have been socialized to think about black women in general, specifically. Um, and uh, we're gonna get into it. So again, mm -hmm. thank you for coming. I'm, I'm sufficiently nervous. <laughs> um, we're all are. So <laughs> let's, let's, let's just uh, enjoy the nervousness and get in. Thank you. Um, so I'm working with a female patient who's black and she comes to me because she believes that me as a black therapist can give her the best insight onto what's wrong with her mm -hmm. um, because she believes that there must be something wrong with her because all of her relationships are not working. Mm -hmm. And she's describing this capacity of hers to be supportive, to hold space, to um, try new things to be accepting of black men as they come and then when talks of commitment consistency um making this something of any resemblance of perma permanence happens they ghost her they disappear it's too much she's mm. um so she comes in believing that there's something wrong with her that she's blindsided to is how she describe it i'm blindsided to something that's wrong with me now, mind you, she's a psychologist, uh, and we do this work together, right? Um, so she's coming and she's thinking, 
there must be something that I don't see in myself that I need to work on. Mm-hmm. And we're going, after a few sessions, we go through this process and we're, we're talking about, you know, it's not insecurity, it's not being to this, it's not being to that. And I really couldn't understand what I was feeling, but I couldn't tangibly put it in a way for her clinical mind and her emotional mind to uh, her emotional uh, reality in her clinical mind mm-hmm. to kind of process. And then in the middle of the session, it just clicked. And I was, I turned and I looked at her and I said, it's because black men treat women like the world treat Africa. And she just kind of looked at me and said, huh, what what are you talking about? I'm talking about me and all these things. I said, no, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with what we're taught from years and years and years of just whatever. So I liken, or I kind of provide a comparison to her. I say the world takes so much from Africa. It has continued taking from Africa. And we pretend like we don't natural resources, it's people, it's strength, it's money. We have colonized this shit out of this continent. And we don't stop to think about the diversity, the different countries, the the depth in which the continent itself and the people who are there have benefited to the global community. What we think about Africa when we look at it, or what we're taught to believe about Africa is people are still in huts, they're backwards, they are uneducated, there's extreme poverty, and nothing good comes from this place. Africa is undesirable, so undesirable, we don't even care to pay attention that it is not a country. It is a continent with Mm -hmm. multiple countries and multiple different aspects of resources and people and, and things to learn. It's multifaceted and it continues to feed the world. Black women are brilliant. It's undeniable. You need a vote, you engage a black woman in a community. You need someone to feel better, to feel encouraged, you find a black mother. You need someone to learn something, get black women into the aftercare programs. You need some money, find you a black woman with and she will teach you how to make a dollar out of 15 cents. However, in media and movies and politics, all of these things, black women are undesirable. They're not a place to go to. They're too this, too loud, too hostile, all of these things that they have to be in order to fix the society that we're requiring of them to fix. We'd say that it's it's not good enough and we don't bother to sit back and think of the complexity, the diversity, the difference in black women at just like we look at the continent. There's so much depth into femininity, blackness, which is another discussion, and then womanhood. And that's why I think we have been socialized to look at Africa, to look at women like the world has been socialized to look at Africa. This client of mine looks at me and she's like, oh, it makes sense. But um, I see that, but it's not a self-esteem issue. And I said, no, it's not your self-esteem. However, you have been socialized to be a tool and you don't even see it. You're telling me that these men are coming and you hold this space and you accept them for how, who they are, however they show up. And I'm assuming you're healing them in your way. You're supporting them financially, emotionally. You're creating a space for you to be a man. And that feels good. And even though I don't know you're doing it, I'm going to lean towards what feels good. So I'm going to use you because there's use in that. Not intentionally, right? But I am hurting and someone can heal me. I may not be attracted to you, but I'm attracted to what you pour into me. So now when it's time for me to marry, I'm all ready to go. I moved on and looking for the thing that I want. It wasn't you. At this time, I was looking for healing. I was looking for love. I was looking for acceptance. And you gave me all of that because that's what you do for the world. Now it's my time to go because the only purpose, or excuse me, what we're socialized to believe about black women is that there's utility. And if there is no utility, if we've met all of our needs, if we've got what we came for, it's time to go. And Natasha. Um, as I sit here, I gotta be honest, I had to sit in my discomfort 
the discomfort I'm sitting in is not the fact that um the conversation's uncomfortable. It's the fact of how I've never placed myself in that space and a sense of tears want to flow out. That's my discomfort, right? Like I want to cry because of the fact I know that feeling, right? I know that feeling where you go, 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 do, 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 and always feel undesirable. So you said that, right? This place of being undesirable, not good enough. Mm -hmm. Um, showing up for whatever needed. You said the word aftercare, and I, I, I started picturing after school care. And the reason why I did, because when you go into these places, you do see the black women working a lot, you know, for the after support, for everything. And everything on, on our lives is this after space. But I think of after, the word that comes up for me is this reaction. It's very reactive based. Y'all got to come clean it up. So we're always consistently having to be there to do something that happens afterwards. Mm -hmm. And that is a burnout, right? So we all understand the burnout space, but that's a true physical burnout. Then there's this other expectation for ourselves to be healthier, look better physically and so forth. And we just constantly are going. And the part of what you're speaking of, of how we'll take whatever in and build up because there isn't, I think we are, you, you socialize. I think we have normalized. That's what we have to do. All black women are therapists, it's, whether they're gone. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You think about from the time that you have the little girl between your legs as, a, as an auntie, as a grandmother, as a mother, or just the person you know up the street. I remember sitting on the block braiding hair. You're braiding hair and you're hearing and you're talking and you're discussing and you're taking it all in, right? You know, something has to happen. You know, if you're part of a church, you have the church mothers, right, who's healing and holding the space. Right. It, it it just never stops. You know, then I go back to that word again. You said aftercare. I think about even when you go to the preschools and daycares, you got the black women caring for the, the children again. Like there's always this place where we're starting at something where we have to support. We really are supporting. And at the same time, who supports us? And that's why I guess I got uncomfortable because I've never seen that. You know, I think about my life. I saw my mother and my grandmother doing it all. Doing it all, serving all, servitude work. My grandmother's daughter is a maid, you know, she's a nursing assistant, you know, and the men she brought into our home, serving them too. I'm just gonna keep that real, you know. So would you say that um, my description to this client was, was on point? Yeah. Would you say you disagree? Would you say it's in the right direction? It's, it is Africa because we haven't been nice to Africa. Mm -hmm. And we haven't used Africa. And I remember my first depiction of Africa was Tarzan. Mm -hmm. I'm a child. Mm -hmm. The second depiction of Africa was feed the children right. with the bowl of oatmeal and the flowers, or the flies, I mean, over their heads, right? So you've always made Africa undesirable. Right. Even as a child, I knew that could not be true. Even as a I'm true. not gonna lie to you. I was just one of those kids who was a little, always this radical thought of, of something happening. It just didn't make any sense to me. But those were the depictions, right? Or spears and running through this place of wildness, you know, I become a young adult, you're too aggressive. Then aggressive turns you to assertive. Then assertive turns into you're dispassionate. Mm -hmm. Some words I really hate to be associated with. Mm -hmm. So I try not to even use it in the language I'm teaching or speaking and doing stuff of that sort because it just progresses, right? To make me feel like, you know, something I'm doing wrong, right? So I got the spear in my hand. But when you look at me, I look like the little boy with or the girl or whatever with the pot belly and the oatmeal and the flies when you're looking at me that's what you're seeing right and then when I when I when I open up you see the spear my beauty is really not a thing that you're ever paying attention to right so I think you're spot on I think okay. you're spot on a moment of honesty from yeah. your perspective yeah and I know you challenge your spaces yeah challenge yourself yes, to be best yeah. you wouldn't be here if i didn't think right. you did that but outside of you but beyond <laughs> yeah. right yeah let's just put it on the table mm -hmm. how do what are your thoughts on in, in the world the white world white men mm -hmm. and 
is it on track with him seeing black women as African? It's it's such an interesting way to look at it uh, because the the first thought I had when you when you asked it was how little I think of Africa, how little I know of it. And I just heard the other day about how we're mining the cobalt for all the batteries from billions of I don't even know that. Don't I don't it doesn't show up in my mind, but I'm using this phone constantly exactly. as if it came from magic. And uh and so there's something in that, right? Even I was embarrassed when you asked me the question originally because I I realized the only images I had were things that you just said, like I thought uh, Natasha, you said something earlier about uh, seeing black women as um, nurturing, and I th or getting nurturing from black women. And I thought that's actually not in my mind. It, and then I thought, well, wait a minute, Aunt Jemima from my childhood. Mm -hmm. and the first thing that came into my mind when I thought of it, which is which is weird to say that. But then the next thing that comes to mind is the angry black woman that I saw in the media in the eighties and nineties as black women. And um, and then I think, well, what what else do I know about Africa? And it's just the anthropological pictures in National Geographic from childhood. It's maybe seeing some pictures of professionals, but then having a sense of that being a disconnect with my previous images. Mm -hmm. um, and most of my information about it is is very vague. And I think that's what I, what comes to me is that I just fill in my own projections into a very unfamiliar image, uh, things that were just given to me to be the images. Um, and so, yeah, the, I think um, in the same way with Africa and black women, it's just mystery and our own shadows cast on. That's how it feels. It just feels like there's no real conversation uh, for white men about black women. Like it's, it seems very mysterious to me. Thank you. Thank you. So with this work I was doing with this patient, it, there was a point in time where I was thinking, you need to, you know, stop fixing people, all, all those regular things, stop trying to heal the world, all this stuff that becomes natural to some women, um, black women in particular. But then I also thought, and I tried to convince her because I love black love, no offense to any other kind of love, it's great. I love all love, but I have a particular interest in black love because of my work. So I wasn't trying to, at the same time, discourage her from looking towards black men for love, for healing, for acceptance, for all of these things. So in the same breath of saying how, uh, you know, there's utility in women, black women, I also thought it was important for me to distinguish that it's not intentional. And I laid the foundation. I talked about how just from birth, from, from hundreds of years before our birth, it's almost genetic kind of at some point where we're just socialized and we, ha and we can't escape it to, to see people certain ways, to, no matter who they are, right? Just because of the color, their body type, their, all of these things. But in the black community, I, f from my experience, I was raised by all black women. I, all the women who pour into me are black women. They're black men, they're white men, David, <laughs> who pour into me. Um, but I very clearly, very clearly see that um, I have benefited from Africa. And it's always been unintentional, I hope, right? Um, Natasha, it doesn't matter if a man comes to you and he's needing some healing or love or whatever and you're you're loving him back and maybe you're getting what you need and you sit back and think about this concept black women being uh, used used to black women being pouring into people back black women being colonized like the continent mm -hmm. if a black man doesn't know that this is what i'm doing or any man i guess does that matter if it's intentional or subconscious I don't think we think of it being always intentional okay. unless we have the language and knowledge and experience. Can you still love past the unintentionality in a relationship? I would have to say I have. Okay. Like, I'm going to be honest. So I have. I've accepted whatever came. Okay. I, today, 
I can't anymore. Like, and that's just because of where I am, my own personal growth, right? And where I've educated myself to understand what my blackness is. But I'm not going to sit here and say I haven't. I have loved those who aren't available to be loved. Whether or not they choose to love me, I have felt in my past that I can absolutely fix you or make you love me or get you to that place of love. Or, you know, I hear you loud and clear, but I'm, I'm okay enough. I can deal with whatever you're bringing. Like, I don't need all of you, just a piece of you, right? Just whatever piece you could offer, whether it's sex, whether, you know, whether it's, it's a good time, you know, whatever, whatever it is, just whatever piece I can take from you because I'm gonna meet, meet my other needs anyway. So you need to be poured into right, so in order for someone to, 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 for you to heal them. And I say healing well, because I'm a therapist. So only all I see is broken black men or women or any kind of race. Yeah. So I, I'm just using that term as healing. But I, you, you know, the only term I would not agree with is mm -hmm. poured into. I cannot say that I need to be poured into. I got to be honest. Is that because you've been socialized to believe that? You don't need it's, to. It's, Why can't you be? No, I'm, I'm responding to the right. Okay. So when you use the word poured into, uh -huh. it's like, I don't, I can't. Now, mind you, I'm not going to speak for black women. Mm -hmm. For you. I know for that as a black woman, we need to be poured into. I so the to. question when you first asked was about me pouring into black men. Right. Right. In specific. Mm -hmm. And if is, is it okay for me to pour into black men, knowing that they could only give me part of them. Right. So it's not about me thinking that they're pouring into me. Right. Even though I'm going to think I'm getting what I need. I know in my mind, like it's in you're reality, taking, I I'm, get what you're saying. It's more of, um, I want to say, yeah, it's strategic. It's you need. right. And you, and, uh, okay. and the things that we need to understand about black women, regardless of the time we're speaking, whether we were the mammy or the doctor today, y'all going to survive. This, we're real clever. Uh -huh. We are clever. Like, making a dollar out of 50 cents, we're really clever. So even when we're sticking in something that makes no sense, please understand the part of us that is not getting the credit for is that there's something about what we need that we feel like, we, and we may not be able to get away from it too tough, but I don't care if we get that car fixed or whatever it is. So it's not about someone pouring into us, because I know we're not looking at that man pouring anything into us. We know we're pouring out. Why not? Because we, it's never happened. Can I just be honest? Does it make you uncomfortable when, because Natasha, for everybody listening, Natasha and I go way back, yeah. grad school. And I remember days we would just share food, cook for each other, <sighs> pour that. into each, I felt like maybe I poured into, I, hopefully did. I did. You did. But Natasha, I felt like sometimes it made you uncomfortable. Absolutely, because if you pour into me, then you're taking away the thing that I need. I need my strength, mm. and you have to. And that's the part of the, the black woman that I'm calling the clever part. We need our strength because, unfortunately, you, you don't last. So we're used to the black man not lasting enough. Like we're used to not having enough community around us. So if I allow you to pour on way into me, then what happens to my strength? Like how am I going to survive the next day? So how so, would your pouring stay? So what you're saying is you or the current state of our community yeah. does not give you the indication that you will not always have to be strong. Because what Absolutely. I'm hearing is, is if I like you, you don't need to go to the gym for a bit, right? Because I tell you to lay in bed and let me make you breakfast. But if you don't get that or a healthy meal or whatever it is to make you not need to go to the gym, eventually it's going to get to the point where those muscles will will decay, you, you won't have the strength, you won't have all of these things, you need to build it back up again. So your environment, your world, and our community is never going to be, or at this point, it doesn't seem as though it will be a place where you won't always have to be strong. Right, it's not created for me. Uh -huh. Right, so when you, let's go back to Africa. Many of the things you're speaking of historical, you talk about ripping apart a country and sending folks all around the globe. So immediately there was a part of whiteness that said that, you know, Africa wasn't even worth to be Africa. Mm -hmm. So when you start pulling people where they have to go, you have to continue to allow people to believe they're not worth themselves. So we start manipulating and making folks believe that you're not allowed to pour into each other. So it's not something that we've created. You have to think about historically what that has done out of the root. So it can be whiteness. undone in our community? 
you know, unfortunately, what is our community? Yeah, that's the, we ain't going there today. Right, that's but. the topic. But if you're going to talk about Africa, where is our community? Right, so, so where I think we're in a place today where we're trying to create communities and, and we're still be doing that and we're doing, you know, you know, power to the young folks, seriously. Mm -hmm. So we're building that space. But that's the issue, right? We don't have community. So it goes back once again to Africa, it goes back to having to be strong mm -hmm. because the community I'm going to make is what's going to allow me to get up next morning and start all over again. But, okay. If I can move forward. Sure. Okay. I um, know in my practice, and I know f for me, it's much different for you, David, and for, for you, Natasha, because I come into the room as a black therapist, as a black clinician, but all, every single one of the black men that I work with come into therapy because a black woman told them to or as a result of a black woman. Mm -hmm. Just my experience thus far. You have any comments or thoughts about that? I think that will be accurate. I think at the same time, when we look at into the relationship between black women and black women, there is a responsibility within our own space as black women to say, yeah, there's been harm on both sides and there's been harm and specifically how we look at black men and the, and the pressures put on that space where they need to meet up or be something that we really truly have not totally experienced. And then we, we added to the place of the toxicity, right? Bro, so, so you're saying we can't even conceptualize the idea of what we want as a black man? Yeah, so we've been creating, we're creating. And then we project that and tell them they have to do projected. something they can't Absolutely, okay. and we're never talking about the harm and the traumas that we've both experienced, right? So absolutely, it's looking at your, it's giving birth to a little black boy and tell that little black boy he gotta be the man in the house, right? And you can't cry. A lot of times it's not just coming from the male figure, hopefully that's what they have, but it's coming from that black woman who wants you to be that strong black man, be God-fearing. I mean, that is a lot. He's like three years old trying to play cars. And at this time, he's being told he has to figure out a way not to be a child. Right? We also have to look at the fact of how we've looked at sexuality for black men and hypersexualized that behavior because of the traumas that come down. So yes, there's harm caused to black men from black women. And they may not agree with me when it's to the podcast, but I'm not gonna sit here and act okay. like it hasn't happened. And I agree with you. Also in that aspect, um, yes, there's some harm. There's also a whole lot of fixing is what I wanna shift this conversation to because I get women who come in for couples counseling and they know they ain't there for couples counseling. They're, they're dropping their kid off for daycare with me is what it feels like. They come in for a couple sessions and then all of a sudden, oh, I, my wife is running late, so I guess we can just go ahead. Or she didn't show up or whatever. Or on the back end, she'll reach out and I really need you to work with my husband or my boyfriend or whatever. I need you to be a mentor. I need you to do all of these things. So even in the mental health space, it feels like these young women, most, and you mentioned the, the younger community, are like sweeping up, cleaning up the the stuff behind for black men. And me, I try to be conscious. So for, for a black woman, I don't know if you agree, but mm -hmm. so first, let me know if you agree on that. Um, I know your practice is different, mm -hmm. but then the thing I really wanna hit on is if my view is the case, how can we heal black women? What do we need to do? Yes, wow, how can we heal black women? <laughs> I mean, I know it's slow, but it's, it's well, how can I contribute to, to, to the healing? <laughs> oh, how can we heal black women? And, you know, well, first, black women, first, do right? you agree? Do you agree? What are my thoughts on, on black women bringing black men to therapy to heal? You know, I think when you see that happening, I, w I would say it's only two things that's going to happen. They really want that relationship to work, but they don't want it at all. I'm going to be very honest with you. Oh, yeah. Just being a couple's mm -hmm. therapist, one of my things I do is that when that's happening, they probably need a way to say, I don't want you anymore. Or they just want to see if maybe some therapy could get this black man to where I want him to be, like what I've envisioned. Because here's what you're talking about when you're speaking of today. You're talking about, and I know you have this in your practice, black women are doing this. You're speaking of the highly educated, a bit more in a position where probably sometimes you're in a high position socially, making professionally, more. making more. Mm -hmm. So that's the, that's the other battle you're battling mm -hmm. and you know lo and behold 
by some great luck, they were able to have themselves a black man mm -hmm. in their position, which is really difficult when you think of this statistically in the numbers, black men versus black women. So that's what you're dealing with. They're, they're in a place in their life, they want the black man to mirror or measure up to what's gonna make them feel like they have the American dream, mm -hmm. right? That's what you're, you're speaking of. Mm -hmm. If they're dropping them off, they don't want them no more. So when I'm doing couples work, that's the first I'm trying to figure out. Is this something that you two want? Because I truly, as a couples therapist, I know folks do this. I don't see the point of doing individual work in a couple sessions. You could go to an individual therapist. I don't need to meet with you individually to find out what's going on. Right. I that I don't um, when I'm even teaching. I don't do that because they can go. To, I could just call your individual therapist and ask you, "What do you think of your your you know your client?" So this is a this is a partnership. This is a union thing happening. And whether you meet with me individually is not going to help. Right. So I'm, what I'm saying is, when you're when that's happening. Push back on it. I push back. Push back oh, on yeah. it. Oh yeah, I mean, oh yeah. Push back yeah. on it. Tell me, you know, back. when you're both available, let's Come, meet. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's very evident that I need to do some work with a young brother on this. And then you make and, individual and therapy. Make it, and I make it individual. That's all. Um, and so I got. So you you agree with me? I totally agree. And 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 I have a second part of that question, and we'll get back to, and I'll let you think about it. What can we do to contribute to to to, to healing? The community of black people. You keep asking oh, no. this question. But I know, and I'm gonna let you think of it. <laughs> so, because I need an answer. I, I, I'm a therapist, <sighs> and I love to say I show up in the world as authentic and raw as I can, and I make space for my black women. But I constantly question myself, even with you this morning, Natasha, as you, I'm trying to get you some breakfast or get you some coffee or make you some tea. I'm wondering if I'm treating you like Africa. So think of it. But I want to come you. to David. I want to come to David real quick. And I just want to do a comparison. Mm. I know your practice is completely different than mine. Mm. With those you work for, do white women drag their white husbands into therapy for, for individual, or is it more just couples work that really needs to get done? Or does it seem like this white woman is trying to fix a white man? I would say that um, for a while, when it was just me in private practice in my office, I saw mostly men because most of my clients were men sent to me from. Okay, men. so it's the same. Okay. Uh, and and I would just say that, but I would I'd like to add, I think everything that Natasha said resonates with, I think, how women are treated in general, but that it's amplified for black women, that it's extremely amplified, mm -hmm. and, and for black men, too. I think when I hear you talking about it, it doesn't sound unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. It's just amplified mm -hmm. uh, in, in complexity and intensity, um, which, which to me sounds like... Um, there's there's hope in exploring that because it is not a foreign conversation about mm -hmm. the problem. Mm -hmm. If if I have a white listener out there, mm -hmm. that term of it's amplified. There's something a bit different between it, it's it's the familiar story. Yeah. Um, we've all we're all experiencing on some level, but the amplification of it. Yeah. What is, in the tangible world, what does that look like? How do I see that this is a higher or a different level of women fixing men and the pro problem that might be with masculinity or whatever? What layer of race do you see or would a person listening see that that would be considered the amplification? So I'm not sure if I understand, but let me see if I see this answer is what you're asking. Okay. Um, I think that um, the level of self-negation, you know, of, of, of telling yourself you're not worthy of support, there is no support for you, you're supposed to take this, mm -hmm. this is your role, mm -hmm. um, and nobody's listening, and everybody's going to be defensive, and all of that, That's to me that's the amplification, but also complexity, like I, I'm sure the nuances of what that looks like in real life are, are beyond me. I can't imagine all I could speculate, but not understand mm -hmm. in real time. So I just think that it's the, it's the general message to women because women are the mother and, and then, then they become responsible for so much shit for men. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you just then remove, uh, a culture that supports the woman through that at all, then you've got a lot of amplification. Mm. So, so the support of the culture 
Yeah. So America doesn't support black culture kind of and once that's removed or once it's stripped of the ability to see yourself as a positive, as beautiful as whatever. Yeah. It's even harder. But and to add to that is the cult the, the black culture I would guess based on what I can imagine is that it is a trauma-based culture. It's surviving. And so in survival, like what Natasha's talking about is, I mean, this is frankly standard trauma talk. It's like, I cannot let go of the thing that survives me inside of me because as soon as I relax that, you're going to abandon me and then I'm, I made myself vulnerable. And, and now what do I do? And so if you're talking about a whole culture of black women who carry that together and it, um, then in some way you're responsible for maintaining the survival strategy of the culture. Mm. Uh, yeah, because they saved the culture. I said yeah. that somebody might hate me for that, but black yeah. women, they they saved, in my view. But can I go back? Before it looks like that, you got an answer I, for I, me, Natasha. I just respond. Okay. Something that David said really struck me so hard. Mm -hmm. And I, it struck me because he was, when he said amplification, mm -hmm. I got it, and words came up to my mind. It was opportunity, option, accessibility. Mm. That's what white culture has. Has in addition. So when so you that, come okay. into my office for mm -hmm. couples counseling or whatever the case may be, even if I choose to stay or not, I know at the end of the day I will still have opportunity, option, mm. and access. Mm -hmm. Opportunity. There's not the. They definitely have a fear of you know what life is going to be without that individual. Mm -hmm. But the thing they don't have to think about is surviving and being isolated or never mm -hmm. having an opportunity to meet someone again, have access to mm. their culture or people again, or options for another relationship. I'm glad you right? distinguished that. So when you said that, it is amplified in our mm -hmm. culture because if I lose this human, am I one another human again? Right. It took me so long to get them. Mm -hmm. I built them up to this place. Right. I want to be there. But it's, like. Am I going to so get a return on my interest? It's so much. My, my investment. Right. Yeah. I can afford to do it. It's so interesting because when you said that options, opportunity, and access, my mind immediately went to economics. And it, it's completely escaped go. me about actually thinking that you might not have another people, or person because you're undesirable or at, at a particular certain age for black women. It's just like, you know. 30, 38 or something, is the percentage drops way down to being in a relationship. But I didn't think about just the undesirability part of it is one aspect, and then the economics and the system of it is another layer. Now you're right? it. Okay. All of it. Now I'm piecing it together. There you go. All right, do you have an answer for me on what mm -hmm. blind men can do? Just to just put a lot, little tiny drop into the bucket of... Mm -hmm. A pouring I'm in really, healing something I'm for blood, for the community about myself that's all right that's and why I you're here i, I mean am. your experience and i just have to be honest i just don't feel seen okay and i know it can that's fully loaded mm -hmm. and i i heard you loud and clear like natasha when i reach out to you you tend to reject me it's not that i'm rejecting you you haven't even asked me what i want mm -hmm. and i don't get asked mm -hmm. i really really don't get asked many things mm -hmm. People talk to me, want to have conversations with me, approve my brain and do all these different things, which is great. But when I say the simple ask, you know, it's just asking, you know, how can I help you? And even if I don't have that answer or how I can, or, you know, what I need. But what you're doing is say that you see me. And, you, and it sounds like you I don't exist. have to, I don't have to give you an exchange of my personal goods for you to help me. Right. And I, and, 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 and I'm not saying that's the healing but something has to give it some point where I don't feel like I have to do something for something. Mm. So holding on to whatever independence I have, it's not personal. It's just, I just want to be free. Yeah. Just leave me alone for a second, mm. right? That's it. Because everything comes with something, mm. right? So the healing part, it's forever, but that's just for me. I just feel like, you know, you see me, you know, believe in me, mm. know my worth know how beautiful I want to be or feel like I want to be. Stop assuming things about me. You know, the fear, whatever you have, or, oh, she's too much, or she talks too much, all these different things. Like, that's who I am. Like, literally, as a woman, as a black woman, we put up with a lot of foolishness from people all day long, on any given day. Whether we listen or we're objective or not, we can have a whole fight with someone and turn around and love them at the same time. Can we get that back? I see you, my queen. I just want to say that. I see you. I <laughs> That's see it. you. I see it. 
thank you for seeing me. Mm, you know, but I, I think when you say healing, for me, it's, um, oh, I, I want you to just, just listen mm. with like more than just two ears, mm, you know. Listen with my heart. With your heart. My soul. Your soul. I just need to just like, just listen. And it could be so basic sometimes. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Now I'm gonna switch a little bit. We're not being number one. Mm-hmm. I just want to okay. clarify that. I feel like we've been going harder men for a bit, but I just have to give you did, one. Did you, did you tell your one. audience the numbers right now, in in um in, gender wise, what's happening? I think they they should know. Oh, what it looks like wow. My producer, uh, Logan Wesley, is male. Mm-hmm. Myself, Philip Lewis, black male. Uh, David Ryan, white male, and uh, Natasha Campbell. I identify as a female. You identify as a female. So it is unbalanced. But okay, so this will be the only question I or uh, ask uh, in this likeness. Okay, I well let me preface it with a story about a a couple that I was working with, Um, young black couple, uh, female, male, or they present to be they're identified as that way. Um, Come in, a little history on them. They've been together or they've been in this situation for about a year. They recently moved in maybe six months ago, um, are now expecting. Both have kids from separate relationships who now live in the home together. And they come into my office and uh, the woman is is explaining how she's wanting more from this relationship. And in the middle of what she's asking for, explaining why they're here, the male partner in the relationship turn or excuse me, in the situation turns and says, this isn't a relationship. We're not in a relationship yet. I told you we we're just kicking it. And she's like, right, we're just kicking it. But when do, or I'm, we're here to see if we can set some goals around what it would look like if we were to be in a relationship. And I sat back and I said, wait a minute, you make his kids lunch in the morning. Y'all sleep in the same bed. Y'all split the bills. He takes your son to go get a haircut. You are now pregnant with his child. And you just kind of didn't even hear. Well, you heard what he said, but you affirmed what he said. As in, this ain't a relationship. You still need to meet some measure or some goal, whatever, for you to have complete, uninhibited, total access to me where no other woman can. And I thought, first, I was pissed as hell at him. I took him to the side. We had an individual session after, and I let him know that I couldn't be his therapist. I we need and may might have been unethical for me, whatever. But I my bias and my blackness won't allow me to sit here and hold this space for you and not challenge that bullshit you just came in my office with. But with her, it took me a few sessions to get her to realize that she was socialized to be African mm-hmm. and she was accepting her the world's view of Africa that you can cook for this man, clean for this man, raise his kids, he's raising yours, y'all are moving into bed, splitting it, and say, okay, what can I do to be in a relationship with him and not have him with other women or whatever, because we're about to have a baby and I need a commitment. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a second, where where did you lose it, my sister? So there is an aspect, there is, there, there is something to black women taking what they're getting, but the, not just taking what they're getting, but seeing or treating themselves like Africa as well. Absolutely, it goes, I answered that earlier. You did. I absolutely did. Remind, I I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna go back Hit to that over the head. asked about the pouring into. It's not that I don't believe I need to be poured into, but at the same time, oh, that piece of man, I hear you uh-huh. loud and clear, but that piece of man is still some kind of man. Oh, because shit. he's me, it's some kind of little need that I need for him to meet right now. Whether it's the fact that he can help me get my child to get a haircut, whether it's the fact that he can help me split that rent. So let's just put it out saying, so okay? what is the fact? It's, that doesn't make it okay. You're Opportunity, right. access, option. Oh, I don't sure. have that. Right? Because you have set up a world for me. That doesn't allow me to be able to step so into my first glory and yeah. worthiness, stemming out of the space of whiteness mm-hmm. that you have adopted, black man, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we're not healing with each other. So now 
I answer that. So when you ask me, how can I pour into you? Stop taking Shit. and stop showing up to the door half fast. So this is a black man issue. I, okay. I, I, so, like, so, and I don't hate black men. No, I love, not, you know, not, so, so, I love so, black men or whatever, but right, and I, I get it. Black men too. And I'm mm -hmm. always going to be standing aside for them. Even when you take from me, I'm still going to make your shirts, march with you, take care of your children, comb your hair, wash your floors. I will do that. Because I have a condition to that's the only way we will survive in this world. So I need that little piece of you. I know you're not meeting my, that woman's not stupid. That's the part I was trying to tell you. We're not look at looking at that as intellect. We want to put her down because she's in a relationship that you don't agree with. I'm just saying out loud. It's yeah. not about you. I know. We want I know. to look at her and judge her and say, you could do all better. But we're not looking at the fact that she's doing this best she can right now. Right now, she's really smart. Because so, who in the world, I have hear me out for on. a second, who in the world right now that we could call to help her get her child to get that haircut, split that rent? It's, so it's, teach me something. I'm asking you to teach me what something. Teacher? So as a clinician, I was wrong then. I, I was sitting here thinking, oh, I was wrong. I was and wrong. I will own that. I was oh, so wrong not. because. You took it personal. I took it. I took it personal. I took it personal because I, I want someone much more for my women. But what you're saying is what I'm what I'm learning today. Thank you for being my teacher today. Not only are you so much, mm -hmm. but you're I'm also adding teacher to your to your repertoire, to your long resume. What you're teaching me today is that I could have possibly and they're still together. I could have possibly taken away something that was totally necessary for her. Mm -hmm. And because of my own whatever, my view, my hazy glasses, I thought that this was not equitable. This was not right. This is why she's depressed and anxious. But sometimes it's necessary, I think, for for that depression and that anxiousness in order. You, you exchange that. You exchange that for having your tangible, your emotional, your physical needs met in some way. And I am supposed to just, whoa, I don't know if I'm okay with that. I am supposed to just help you find comfort in your anxiety and depression so you can have this thing? Is that what I'm supposed to do as a clinician? And I'm just asking in general, I'm supposed to make your, cause she had some severe anxiety and depression, mm -hmm. and especially now that she's pregnant because she's in this relationship, the cause of it, she named it, was this relationship where she did not feel connected to a man, but she was giving her all. And I get you when you say she's getting a piece at somebody taking her son to split these bills cut this hair, hair, whatever it is. So my role now, or whoever's role mm -hmm. that is holding space for a black woman is to help them find comfort in the discomfort because they can get something that helps them survive. As I'm gonna challenge your thought, it's well, not about do. them finding comfort in discomfort, it's mm -hmm. about them naming what they want. Thank and if you. they can name what it is that they want for themselves, can they build their own worth and make the decision that you know mm -hmm. in your heart they need to make, but can they find it in their heart to find that little bit of strength that they're looking for, that little mustard seed that has been planted in them? Like, can they literally start growing that? Because it's not about that. The anxiety and depression is a discomfort. Mm -hmm. She's telling you loud and clear, I am uncomfortable with my living situation. Mm -hmm. what, I, what I'm not telling you is that I am fearful. I lack the vulnerability. To be I lack to walk into my shame mm -hmm. about what I'm doing right now and how do I get out of it? Because God forbid I, I walk out, how am I going to survive? She's okay. telling you she's drowning. The anxiety, the depression she has is her ability to live in a worriness all the time. Because mm. she's telling you, I don't like it. Okay. I can't shake this feeling. But how do I do this alone? And being that the world doesn't make that happen for me, so you mean to tell me I gotta find ways to build my own strength? See, Unfortunately, yes you do. I, I got That's you. you get the question. And, this, the, you and I guess this is my problem and I've already asked this question, but we'll move on. We gotta find a way to put something into the bucket of healing woman. We have to. Because if I can't help you as a, well, yes, I'm helping you as a clinician, holding your space, I'm all naming this stuff that makes you uncomfortable. It is solely on the black man at this point, and unless somebody in this room convinces me. It is solely on the black man. And yes, there's some interpersonal work a black woman can do. But if, if you, that interpersonal work puts your, your stability at risk, that's not on you. You have to survive financially, emotionally, physically. 
So what I'm hearing is I'm creating a space. I am a part of a space that not only breaks you down, but your only option to get out is to give up something. Mm-hmm. How is that possible for a black woman? How is that reconcilable at all? So it is on me. So I'll tell this this part of the story, which I was re- really, and we talked about whether we we're going to go here today on this podcast. Yesterday, I received a phone call from probably the closest, one of the closest people in my family that um, I have other than outside of my mother, right? And on this phone call, my loved one expressed to me something that happened to her. And I held the space as best I could. Try not to be the clinician, try not to be the father, try not to be the son, try not to be whatever. It just showed up however uh, this loved one needed me to. And then I hung up the phone and I realized that me as a black man, my law degree, there were black women who carried me through. My social work degree, you, Natasha, there were black women that carried me through. Undergrad, black women carried me through. Going to jail, black women that carried me through. The military, I can name all the black women, but I won't say it, brought me through my economic stress, my emotional stress, my masculinity, my sexuality, my, my the way I viewed myself, whether I was handsome, all of these things, black women have carried and created spaces for me. And all of those black women I have carried with me, I still am in contact with. And when I go through the list of the black women who have created this person here today, all of them have been sexually assaulted by a black man. And it blew me. I didn't know what to do with that understanding. And at first I was just like, I failed. What did I do? All these women I love have some kind of sexual misconduct, on whatever you want to call it. And I'm not, not that I'm needed to be there to protect because some of them are older than me and I couldn't have been there. Mm-hmm. But to think that in 2023, we still live in a community where I don't know any black women who haven't had sexual misconduct or mm-hmm. been a victim of sexual, sexual misconduct. That, that doesn't sit with me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this is a question, but I just had to get it out. I don't know. You, it's not your thing to fix. Um, but I just want everybody to know that that's my experience as a black man. All the women who have healed me along the way, who have been a part of my journey, their bodies have been seen differently. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about how we see the black female body? You just said it's Mother Africa. You're right. Why you keep slapping So yeah. at the end of the day, if you've already told us that we could take from Mother Africa, we witnessed this happening to the grandmothers and the mothers, right? We were told they're not worth anything, that we will perpetrate the same behavior, black man and also black women. So the healing is just not, I hear you when you say, well, as a black man, I have to show up and you know, black women can't do it. The healing is on both sides, right? It's, it's a healing as a community. I said, well, we got to figure out the community. You know, rape, assault, molestation is historical, unfortunately, and it's part of the DNA. It's embedded in communities of culture. And it's so, although that has happened to us, we would still love the black man. Damn, that's some kind of love. Right. So, yes, you're absolutely right. I don't know any black that's women different who have not been assaulted, molested. Under, and I always say, for me, there's, there are differences in the sense of what happens, right? Rape and all these different places. I don't know many black women who have not experienced that at all. I don't, including myself. It's just, I don't know. I don't think it's, I don't think so. The hypersexualized way we look at black women and little black boys, little black girls, we tend to unfortunately hand down the most unhealthy emotional coping skills down to children I mean, become adults. So a lot of this is in our DNA. So when you talk about healing, it's a lot of unlearning, right? It's a lot of unlearning. It's a global, it's a global disease. rooted from whiteness and supremacy that we've got to name it. But it's not something we have been willing to challenge and learn. So the healing has to come from us being willing to talk about these things, have tough conversations. Let's go back to the young man. When that young man looks at his partner that he's living with and says, 
I told you we're just kicking it. Even though we're living together, what's his trauma? What's his fear for me to actually say to the woman who's caring for my child and carrying my child that we could be together? What, what is that thing? You don't think he got his own traumas, his own sexual abuse, his own harm probably by a black woman of some sort who was already harmed. Like at some point, we've got to talk about the traumas that exist within our own homes. We cannot keep inviting the uncles, the aunties, the brothers to the graduations and the dinners and the Thanksgivings and acting like this never happened. So until we really have honest conversations, unfortunately, we're gonna always um, have those experiences. Honest conversations. That takes some emotional strength, vulnerability. I remember, and I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell this story more in, in more depth uh, when we have the podcast with all, all the black female clinicians I know about uh, love relationships and sex. Um, but in short, I had a relationship once where I I dared to open up and explain, you know, why I love cooking, why I love sewing, all of these things that I love to do that might be assimilated as feminine is only time I got to spend with my mother, right? And then I opened up about my trauma. This woman looked at me and just said some crazy shit. And she was a psychologist. We were sitting at dinner and, and I'll name it all later, but she hurt me in that moment where I opened up and tried to be honest and tried to express all of these things. Um, how can we be brave in these relationships where we're responding out of pain? Over and over, I open up to you and you hurt me, then I hurt you. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm hearing you say about mm -hmm. the couple in my, mm -hmm. you know, he got hurt somewhere and now he's holding on to the best way he knows how to not to be hurt. And then as a result is hurting this black woman. Mm -hmm. And then he's going to open up mm -hmm. at some point because he did in therapy. He, we still working together and she turned around and hurt him the moment he opened up. And that's what happened to me. And I'm healthy. I would think I'm moving towards healthiness. And I was working on possibly exploring a relationship with another black female psychologist. And I was stabbed in the heart real quick. Mm -hmm. How can we create safe spaces if you know? You know, it's difficult because we're just hurt. We're hurt humans. and um, So we got to accept the pain. We have to accept the pain. And okay. that's the problem. We don't want to accept the pain. We want to live through the pain. Mm. You know, we don't want to live through it. We don't want to look at the fact that a black man can open up because when does that ever happen? Right. When does that ever go to be that honest or truthful? So there's so many layers on this. It is layers on top of layers. And I think there's a practice and the practice for me is going to be with um, young people, the younger generation leaning into them. Now, although we have a history of so much abuse, physical, sexual, emotional abuse, Young people are asking for things that my generation never did. Mm. I have a daughter who's like, I want to go to therapy. That was not a thing growing up. My practice, the people that come to my practice gets younger and younger each time. They're asking for support. If you even look at teen pregnancies from the time I was growing up to where they are, it's really low regardless of what we want to think about. Even though, yes, we have a strong history of sexual assault and hashtag me too, wonderful space but look at the age bracket the age group of those folks who came out during the me too movement look at the age group they're my generation older when it comes to younger folks nowadays if you touch my hand the wrong way i'm gonna say something mm -hmm. i want to know i'm asking questions is this appropriate or not mm -hmm. so i think where the healing comes from is who we're working with today and we gotta the young, the young folks. I'm, shit, I'm not saying we're a hopeless cause. I'm just saying. Yeah, right. We we're stuck in patterns, and I always mm. say it like this. Yep. Trauma, and then I'm, I have a really important question for you, David. Mm. I, I always say this sometimes in, in in session. I had eye surgery in 2017, 18. I used to wear glasses all the time. Mm. Every now and again, 2023, I wake up in the morning and reach over for my glasses, looking for them, knowing. That I can see perfectly. I mean, I can see so perfect that I'm afraid that I'm going to mess up my perfect vision. I wear sunglasses outside. I wear blue light glasses when I'm looking at the computer because I consciously know that my eyes are now okay and I keep mm. protected for the military and all the things I want to do. And I think I still have another 20 years to go. So I got to make sure I can mm -hmm. see without glasses and jump from place and all of these things. 
but I still reach for those, those glasses that I don't really man. That's what I think about trauma. Sometimes we can process things, but the behavior stays around. Ooh, absolutely. And I think that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah. David, mm. how can white people protect Africa? Hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think it is about, uh, shifting things. So like when Natasha's answering about, is it just black men or black women that need to do this? It, 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 it resonates for me in my own life with women, um, because also, I mean, again, amplification, but I mean, it's rare that I meet a white woman that hasn't been assaulted by a white man mm -hmm. in some way. It just, I'm just saying that there is, there is that trend that is common that has to do with, um, there's this relationship between, you know, the, the man and the woman where the woman's first the mother. And then I think we're, we, we, we have abandoned it. Men have been abandoned by men. And, 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 and you can get into the depths of that, oh, yeah. but, and I think it's more so for black men because you know, you what is a man of a black man, man, you love them without explaining. Yeah. I love you like that. But I, just, I, I just to be, just to be told you cannot be a protector and a provider in this world mm. is to absolutely rob him of the blessing that he needs to become in his psyche, a man. So then he's left with the woman is supposed to give it to him. And now that's a, sh that's a shitty scenario because uh, she's responsible for your disappointment. If you're disappointed in her or if she's disappointed in you, then you're just, she's taking away your manliness, you know, because she's the one that's deciding whether you're a man and not for men. And so there's something about this where, you know, men in general need to rebuild something and it needs to be inclusive. And I think that's one way that white, that's, as a white man, that's how I feel is that to give Natasha space in the relationship, I need to have a relationship with Philip. Mm -hmm. And, and that also helps me give my wife space. And then we can talk about how to be inclusive with each other and how to find what does it mean to be men now where the women are protected in the center. And yet we, have a purpose with each other. And then she can, when she sees consistency and she sees you are showing up that way and that you do have friends and you're not getting everything from her, then she can start to figure out what does it mean for me to relax and trust, which is really the same thing my wife is going through with me. You know, it's just, it's just more amplified for you, mm -hmm. but I'm just saying there's a similar trait there in our- It's the white male privilege. It was with that particular thing. You're naming the white male privilege who have, globally but utilizing their power right so to give space to center right. gender differently get out the way and that can be intentional or unintentional That's right. because in some ways we're just spoiled we don't have to nope. figure it out emotion because of all that for you because i'll just go to my woman and she tells she gives me the emotion support mm -hmm. and i didn't have to go to philip and go through the discomfort of saying hey man i'm scared right uh, I don't, you know, I don't know how to do this. I just tell my woman and then she becomes responsible for that. Mm. And so I think that's what comes to me is if you ask, what can a white man do? A white man can open up, open up to a black man in the way that a black woman is asking the black man to open up to her. It's, it's this, um, uh, can I overcome uh, my own projections and everything and just make a safe space for us to, and you're probably going to have some sh stuff to tell me that I don't want to hear to get that going. And I have to be able to hear it in the same way she's telling you, I want you to hear me. And some of the stuff you're not going to like, you're not going to like what I have to say to you. But if you can do that, then we can have a safe space where we can explore this together. And Natasha did my question where I'd be the wrong one. No, not. At all, uh, just not at all. And I think, um, thank you, David, for stating that. that. Yeah. Absolutely, we just, I just, you know, just practicing naming mm -hmm. what that privilege looks like globally. I almost could say globally. So when you think about your assaults and so forth, you're like, yeah, I see it also within white culture, right? Mm -hmm. It is, but you think about the power that white men has had. Mm -hmm. They have, been, they've utilized sex. Mm -hmm. That's another topic. 
sex as a control mm. and it's something they have handed down mm. into Africa. Yeah. And was learned. And it's learned. And perpetuated. And perpetuated. Even our ideas and our ideologies of sex and religion, these are not things that we've, we had. These are things that have been handed down to us. So when white man decides to, to give space, step away, let me show, you know, that, you know, let me show that I can engage with black men in a real powerful way. That doesn't have to be a power dynamic. It, right. So that's the, it's, it's all about power, right? Isn't that what rape is sold and take? It's, it's God's power. Who holds the most power in this world? Why, bro? And why does one take sexually? Profound. And that's a patriarchy thing as well as to, yeah. Thank you. Well, this has been deep. <laughs> this has been relevant to my practice, relevant hopefully to someone listening. Um, we're going to continue these discussions and I hope you both come back and we collaborate and just have so many more topics. Um, this has been the after session, Philip Lewis. You can find out more about me by reaching out to info at lewiscounseling.org. Mm. David, how can we find you? Uh, connections first, uh, plural all spelled out, dot org. You can find me at multiculturalclinic.com. All righty. Thank you again so much for sharing the space and being open and honest and loving and supportive and educating at the same time. Again, this is Philip Lewis. This is the after session. This, this podcast has been produced by Logan Wesley and we appreciate you listening. Be good to yourself. You've been listening to the after session with Philip Lewis. I hope this time has been beneficial to you in some way. If you like some of the topics discussed, you can visit lewiscounseling.org and click on the after session. Or follow me on Instagram at the after session underscore. This podcast has been produced by Logan Wesley. You can follow Logan at onelawmusic.com or on Instagram at the number one L-A-W underscore music. Be good to yourself. <laughs>